Hello folks, welcome to interval number six. Thanks for joining me today. Today's show is going to focus on how an athlete's nationality can affect their athletic retirement. So when I say nationality, I really mean the country context in which an athlete got started in the sport, developed, reached the peak of their career? Is there a difference between a Swedish athlete that retires versus a Russian athlete versus an American athlete? That's kind of what we're diving into today. And the short answer, yes, there are some differences and it's really interesting. But before I really dig into those differences, let me just say this because I think it's really important. The majority of accessible research on these topics is focused on the global north. So I wasn't able to find a whole lot on the experiences of retired athletes in, say, South America or in Africa. I know that that body of work continues to be developed. Um, If anybody has any info that they want to pass along to me, I would really appreciate that. And I do hope I can do a follow-up, shining a light on the experiences of those retired athletes. But for what I'm talking about today, researchers who have been doing this work, analyzing the differences in retirement experiences in various country contexts have been using two different approaches, cultural psychology and cross-cultural psychology. And I don't want to spend too much time kind of picking apart the differences between these two. I do encourage you to look up the definitions if you want more specifics, but pretty much both of them are trying to figure out the relationship between human and environment. How much do humans as a collective, as as individuals contribute to the environments that they are operating in and ultimately develop experiences in. So that's kind of the basis. And cross-cultural psychology suggests something that you folks may have heard of in one form or the other, but in science, they're calling it here cultural syndromes. And it's a, a model or a way of thinking about how to compare cultures with each other. And so some of the quote unquote categories they use are collectivist societies versus individualist societies, planning versus spontaneity, uh, empiric versus ideological societies, things like that. There are others. The one that is used most, the one that you're probably used to hearing most is the individualism collectivism framework. But there are even differences within that binary. Um, All individualist cultures prioritize an individual and his or her rights, but Sweden, which is an individualist culture, values the person but supports modest behavior and low competitiveness, which is very different from an individualist culture like the U.S., which is all about stimulating competition between people. And then way on the other end of the spectrum are the collectivist cultures, which prioritize the group and put the interests of the group and state ahead of the interests of an individual. But again... Uh, horizontal collectivist cultures, like many African cultures, stimulate cooperation and sharing between people, which is very different than vertical collectivist cultures, such as Russia, China, India, that have hierarchical systems and really stimulate competition between groups and people. Okay, I'm building to it. I'm building to it. Finally getting to that athletic retirement stuff. In that visible research, which, again, I pointed out, it's uneven, but in that most visible and influential research, four traditions have emerged. And again, categories are complicated. They erase a lot of things, but this is what we're working with here. North American, West European, Australian, and East European. 
The first three, which of course have their specific features, are actually rather similar to each other because they're democratic societies and they're individualist cultures. And that last one, East European, is pretty different. <laughs> but so we're comparing the first three with the last one. And, you know, in thinking about the process of an athlete leaving sport, it's just as important to think about how sport was introduced to them, how they developed in that sport, the role that it came to play, the intensification process of playing that sport. Um, and those first three traditions, there's really a lot of shared values, concepts, phenomena that can be identified. I mean, from the beginning, you're having children sampling a lot of sports, so they're being put in softball and football and running and yes, specialization is happening earlier, which is a topic for a different podcast, but we want kids to kind of find a balance to see what they like. We, we care about tr- children's rights and what they, what they want to do. Um, I don't think that that's too wild to say. Also, you know, in the youth levels, we're seeing a lot of volunteer coaches. The dad that is, uh, that is your AYSO coach, for example. And when it comes to leaving sport, There are many, many reasons an athlete might retire, and not all of them are bad, sad, devastating. I mean, of course you have those, but again, these traditions, because they value an individual's happiness, sense of self, sense of choice, there's a lot that an individual might be pulled to, and we're generally okay with that. And in thinking about how an athlete leave sport, it's usually this sort of thoughtful, longer decision-making process where you're consulting with people in your circle, your significant others, your coaches, and there's a planning of what you're going to do instead of sport. Planning and individualist societies, those two kind of go hand in hand. Which also goes into this point that there have been a good amount of organizations set up in the last two decades in these countries focused on supporting athletes and helping them prepare and plan for when they retire. And I'll say lastly here, it's definitely related to all this talk of empowering the self, how to best participate in these societies and what these societies value. There's a lot of emphasis on the experience of being a student athlete. And a lot of talk about how higher education is the path to success in these traditions. And that's important. That's important in thinking about what athletes are being told to balance and being told to consider as they're developing in sport. How they are planning for life after sport. And yeah, what might be pulling them to neglect sport and prioritize other things. And all right, moving on to the Eastern European perspectives on athlete development and retirement. This really has a Russian focus. It's represented mostly by Russian studies infused with collectivists and ideological Russian culture, which, again, puts the interests of Russia, formerly the Soviet Union, ahead of the interests of an individual I mentioned how it stimulates competition among groups and people, and there's very much this readiness to give all mentality and a lot of talk on the, about the beauty and honor in the struggle for winning. You're not going to see a whole lot of moms and dads coaching in places like Russia and also China, actually. Instead, 
this youth sports landscape is really dominated by professional elite coaches at all levels. And there's not necessarily this touting of all the benefits of children sampling various sports. Instead, there's very much a focus on why specializing as early as possible is the best thing. And in that same breath, there's less of this concern with protecting children's rights or ensuring that some sort of normal childhood is preserved. So these very best young athletes are sent to, often sent to, state-supported boarding schools with the hope that they will one day do their country proud on the biggest stage. And notably, there are many jobs available for retired athletes in the Eastern European context. And you think about these professional coaches coaching at the youth levels, many of them were Olympians. Okay, so that was your brief rundown of the larger model used to analyze this stuff, but here's some interesting findings from the more specific cross-national studies. Chinese, Russian, and French retired athletes tended to relocate within sport by starting a career as a coach after their playing career is over, but that occurred less frequently in Germany and Sweden, where sports systems do not provide many paid jobs. Swedish athletes reported an easier transition into post-athlete life than those from Germany, France, Lithuania, and Russia. This might be related to the Swedish cultural value known as the Janta Law, which emphasizes not being higher or lower than a majority of people as a basis for personal satisfaction and self-esteem. Well, that's all I've got time for on this little show. Links to these articles on the website. I'll just end with this. If it gives us another way to better support athletes as they face this kind of weird, potentially life-changing transition, I think we should study cultural differences. It could be really helpful. Thank you again. Hope to see you next time. Mm-hmm.